Just a disclaimer, we are recording. <laughs> you are very welcome along to the very first episode of The Football Pod with Paddy Andrews and Andy Moran. Chaps, how are we doing? How are we getting on? Andy Moran, how are you? How's things in Mayo? Yeah, all is good. Uh, all is good. We, we're nearly back open, which is always a positive, but we're looking forward to football at the weekend. Good stuff. Paddy Andrews, how are things? All good, yeah. Very similar story in the city centre here. It's been great the last few weeks now. A bit of life back in the place as well. So uh, all good outside of football and the same as Andy. She's looking forward to it. It's been a long break since we've seen games. So looking forward to the National League kicking off this weekend. Should be a bit of, bit of crack with that, all right. Yeah, we can't wait for the football. Um, we'll come back to the club training this week. We know that Andy Moore is back <laughs> coaching and we know that Paddy Andrews is back looking on from the sidelines. So <laughs> we, we'll come back to that a little later and we'll, we'll get stuck into it. Um, the football pod, lads, this this podcast that we're doing, is going to be all summer long. It's going to be once a week, we think. We're going to get stuck <laughs> into various topics. Um, we're, we want your suggestions at home, whoever's listening in. Tweet the boys. Andy Moran is a very active Instagram account and Paddy Andrews is the king of Twitter. If anyone had seen his <laughs> cell last night on, on Twitter, what, how did it go, Paddy? Was it the the quickest full forward line? And all no, 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 no. I would say it's the exact opposite of that. It's, it's the slowest full forward line in history between myself and Andy. Like we had, I was all up in the head though. We didn't need the speed. We were w- one step ahead. We had to be because, uh, no, I wouldn't say we were winning too many 100-meter sprints, Andy, now. Definitely not me at Dublin training, anyway. Yeah, the, I was going up, uh, I said to you there a couple of weeks ago, I was going up Crow Patrick, you know, and the group in front of me were all 40 yards ahead of me, and that was kind of like similar to me at training. I was always the guy 40 yards <laughs> high. I, 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 I think my last year at Mayo, 2019, we were playing, and the boys used to do the 21s to 21s tempos, you know? So oh, I could, my, hip, my hips were getting so bad at the time I used to run out to the 45 and come back I could see James Warren looking at me thinking what is this what is this fucking why is he even here so yeah listen we weren't the quickest but as Paddy said it was played in the head so hopefully yeah. inside a bit of Andy that, that look from James Warren sounds so familiar I would say Jim Gavin would have given me a couple of them towards the end of my time as well when Paddy yeah. put, when Paddy put up the tweet last night a couple of guys in the WhatsApp group started giving me a bit of grief you know and uh Paddy reckons he's seen the light near the end of his career, but it was all about socks up merchants, inside forwards, <laughs> look, look, looking at themselves. I don't know what sort of knowledge them boys can uh, give to uh, us. So we, egomaniacs. Yeah, egomaniacs. egomaniacs uh, the socks yeah. up, yeah, yeah. By the end, Shapers. I definitely, yeah. I got Shapers. That's what you sound like, Shapers. Sorry, Shapers is probably the better one. Maybe, yeah. Sean, but, but was that the case? Were you like that earlier in your career, Andy? Were you, were you a bad trainer when you were 20, when you were 19, when you were breaking into that panel? Was it John Mohan was the coach in 04? No, I was. I'd never say I was a bad trainer as such, but I was just when it came to running, I was so bad. Like, you know, <laughs> like when I got injured in around 11, 12, 13, it never the the aerobic capacity never, never, never came back. Like, never, never really kind of uh, was a thing for me ever again. Like, it was always short search. If I did long runs, if I did 100 meter runs, I'd hurt my hip or my back would go or something. So it always had to be adjusted, and we were just lucky then. Barry Solom, my mate, came in in 15, and he, he's obviously went on to greater things now, came in strength and conditioning and changed up my training and just helped. So not bad trainer as such, but one of the slowest people ever to play for me, oh, I'd say definitely. We're not talking Larry Finnerty in the 90s. You weren't like that when you were coming in I in remember, January. I remember Billy Joe telling me a story about Larry Finnerty before. He came into training, and he was, his dad was obviously playing Willie at the time, and he came in, and he said Larry was running around in a pair of Bermudas, 
denim shorts at training. So you go, nice. I, I yeah, think very nice. I think it changed. It changed up a lot, you know. But it was uh, no, we weren't Larry Finnerty, but um, geez, we had some athletes and the Dublin boys as well. Some athletes, like even when we were playing Paddy's teams near the end, like you know, even the like Mick Fitz and these guys, David oh. Byrne, Jesus, David Byrne playing cornerback, <laughs> like it was athletes just galore around. Yeah, yeah. Was that the case, Paddy? Like, what, what were you like when it came to training? Like, I know you were saying Jim Gavin might be giving you the look every so often, but no, you would no, clock just... up, you'd clock up serious times, serious numbers in games as well. Yeah, very similar to Andy. Like, it's not a case you were a bad trainer, like, but. Any any team, club teams, county teams, there are some guys who are just aerobic savages. They're, they're just natural. It comes naturally. And we guys, obviously with Dublin, James McCarthy, Keno Sullivan, you know them when you're, when you're looking down. And other guys, it took a hell of a lot more work to uh, to get up to speed. It definitely wasn't you were a bad trainer, but you had to work extremely hard to, to get it. And I think myself and Andy would have been absolutely in a, in that category. But, but very similar, like but when we were playing Playing Mayo, very similar style of play to what we do with the Dubs. And I remember oh, chasing Paddy Durkin a couple of times. Mother of God. <laughs> yeah, the alarm bells were ringing. I was running on empty, running after him. Very similar to what Andy's saying with Davy Byrne or Fitzy, you know. Cornerbacks go. And th- this day and age, you can't let them go, you know. You, you have to chase them the whole way. You're doing 120 yards running back to your own goal. And any forward, whether you're playing inter-county, junior football or anything like that, Nobody likes running back to their own goal, particularly when you're shapers like me and Andy. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get into that a little later. And we might come back to this too because I'm, I better ring Nathan Murphy because we have ordered a batch of shite trainers of the week t-shirts because I thought you two <laughs> boys were two of the worst trainers that ever came across. We might come back to a little later on. Uh, running two, is something two, that... Two, two of the slowest trainers now. Two of the yeah, slowest slow. okay. I like that. All right, slowest okay. better, yeah. But, you know, maybe, maybe that's just being smart as you're saying, Andy, when you come back in 2014, 15, just changing up the way you're training. So uh, we'll come back to that a little later. Um, when it comes to how you two boys know each other, um, Mayo and Dublin, it goes without saying, was pretty much the defining rivalry of the 2010s. Throw in a, an All-Ireland from Cork at the start of the decade. You had McGuinness. Kerry jumping in in 2014 hmm. it was tit for tat between Mayo and Dublin did you boys come across each other much outside of that do you do you guys know each other or have we just thrown you together into a podcast here and this is the first time you're kind of getting to know uh, each other um, from my side and I was kind of I was thinking about this I was the two teams played each other so often it was it was just by face every single year it seems to be Dublin against Mayo all Ireland semi-finals, finals. Obviously, we're in Division One for the whole decade as well. So we're playing each other in the springtime as well. I think it's fair to say the two teams probably didn't mix much outside of those games, and um, because the rivalry was just so intense, and we wouldn't have known each other that much outside of it. I, I tell you a funny story. The first time I ever came across Andy, and he might remember this, I was I was in my shambolic full backline phase, <laughs> um, and I was playing full back for DCU. Um, against a star-studded, an all-star collection from Jordanstown. And it was a Sigerson League final. Jeez, it must have been 10 or 11 years now. It's kind of, your memory from college is hazy enough at the best of times, never mind when you, you add in 10 years later. But we were playing Jordanstown up in Silverbridge in Armagh, I think, about two weeks before Christmas. It was the league final. And as I was saying, I somehow was playing full back for DCU. And Andy was playing full forward. And within about two minutes, Andy, being the smart footballer he is, realised that he was marking a complete and utter sham. So he's, <laughs> uh, he's roaring for the ball to be kicked in. And like Georgetown, an unbelievable team. 
15 out of the county players. Ah, oh, but these to you were pretty good back then too. Uh, no, I'm only, we, we would have had 15 <laughs> county lads as mm. well. But, uh, but Andy scored, Jesus, three or four points in the first half. Uh, Georgetown were, were smoking us. And we came in at half time and Niall Miner was our coach. And I just I was like, Niall, Jesus Christ, like this fullback thing is not going to happen. Like, stop, get me out of there. This is laughable. So he goes, right, we, we switched. I went out of fullback and went to centre forward in the second half and managed, thank God, to, to start kicking a few points of my own. And we ended up winning the game, believe it or not. But I remember the, the, the first half, it was the first time I kind of marked Andy. I kind of knew who he was, obviously, with my own. And uh, yeah, it was a catastrophe for me. But I think we, we came out on top in the end once once I got out of the full back line. But uh, very, yeah, I remember it well. And it's funny, just on a different thing, that I suppose it kind of epitomizes college football and the university thing. That there was 30 inter county players playing oh. that match. Unbelievable game. But Jordanstown were, were stacked. A lot of, of, of Ulster players, a, a couple of guys from Connacht as well. DCU had weed. I think Brian Cullen, Bernard Brogan, Connor Mord. Like, unbelievable game. And there was about four people at the match. <laughs> like, no, no media coverage, no anything. The game itself was, was savage. But just, I suppose, college football, isn't it? It's Even back then, it just gets... It's for the players, really. There, there's no supporters in there but, or media coverage. But that, that was the first time we came across Andy. And then, thank God, as the, the decade wore on and we played in Crow Park, obviously, with Dublin and Mayo, I was as far away from it as I possibly could be. <laughs> I was definitely the other end of the pitch, thank God. And I'd say the Dublin supporters were thanking God as well that I wasn't near the full back line at that stage either. Yeah, but when it, when it moved on, then we... like we. I won't give you too many compliments on this, but... <laughs> you know, like, I think that, that Dublin forward line was so studded with Flynn, Connolly, Brogan, Alan Brogan. Mm. John, it was it was guys, it was all the other fellas. Like you couldn't just go on that Dublin forward line. The problem with playing Dublin, you couldn't just go, we play a sweeper and we leave a back free because then you have Jack McCaffrey or uh, mm. James McCarthy free. You couldn't go on the forward line. We kind of 25% mark them. And what people forget about Paddy is that, John, we always had to put a plan in and that's how we get to know like 13, I think you got... A score or two in the final but 15 you destroyed us in the in the replay I think you got did you get five mm. from play I think in the replay yeah. John you just kind of get to know each each players around the place but it was always the the little jobs people did around the place and we were like the one strong point Tony Buckley had for us was he always identified the guys that got fellas up the field so it's very easy for the media to say right Bernard is scoring 2-5 Mark Bernard mm. Buckley was very good at identifying right listen we need to take Paddy Andrews out of the game or we need to take Paul Flynn out of the game mm. where, where it was important so we, you, you just get to know each, uh, each other I suppose throughout the years and you probably get to know each other by the management team talking and coaching yeah, 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 yeah. and this is the way they move and this is the, the way they go through so it's um, it, it, it's interesting the way it moved to, towards the years like I played a tiny bit in the backs again you played wing back for a while Andy yeah, wing back for a while, loose playmaker kind of. <laughs> no, Very I, different to fullback, yeah, I tell yeah, you. Well, yeah. I remember, I remember. Stroll out in the half back line. I remember. I don't know if you remember this, but Kieran McGinney put Jamie Clark playing wing back a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and Jeez. the reason that came out it was it was a couple of league games, and I can't remember whether I was told this off the record if I heard from McGinney or if I heard from Clark, but the reason McGinney did it was so Clark could understand what it was like trying to play a ball inside from a wing back role. Given that mm. perspective of if you're making these runs, this is what the wing back sees. So, did that help you playing wing back? I did, of course. I, I like I played there a lot when I was younger, and it was actually Jono who John O'Mahony who moved me to midfield and then up front in, in college. But I couldn't play there because if you had to mark one on one, 
and someone had pace, I was in trouble. But as soon as I... I know it well. I know that feeling well. But yeah, but in, two, in, in, in 2009, Paddy, I, I don't know if you remember it, everyone, I mean everyone, bar Mead, played with a midfielder at wing forward. So oh, yeah. It, yeah, it, yeah. It, it was literally like... I was a free man and I could just play and pass. Yeah, now I remember. Watch the, watch the full back line go in, win breaks off the full back line, lay it off. And it was lovely. It was really enjoyable. Mead won but, that game, didn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. I just getting to it, but we got there anyway. I, <laughs> it's he, the last big game they won, Tommy. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. He, 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 he uh, no, the, the one in 10, I don't know if you remember that one against mm. Loud, but anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. We, we, Don't we, mention we, the war. We, we, were play, we were playing up in, I was Martin Paderburn. I played playing really well for the first 15 minutes but my whole game was absolutely screaming at David Heaney to come back and make four and a half back <laughs> so I could get free but he like Crow Park mad the game was all over the place Heaney starts to fatigue after 20-25 minutes oh lads talk about a lesson party's over then yeah uh, he ran me twice Paddy right burn some engine that man oh, had ran me twice yeah, right yeah. still playing yeah I just go this is my days of wing back. That was the last game I ever played a wing back, to be honest. Too. It's funny, Andy, you know, don't you? I remember my mine was probably a little more shambolic. We uh 2009, the quarter final. This is this is Dublin, Dublin yeah. So this is the last time we played. In the this is Kerry. Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is the startled, this is the startled era. Yeah, yeah. We lost by about a hundred points. And uh, yeah. I uh, we went into that game. Well, Dublin went in. We thought we were favourites. This uh, classic. Did, like, did this you is, really? Yeah, I think we did, yeah, for being honest. Really? Yeah. Ker- Kerry had won like four all Ireland that decade. This is like Kerry the O'Shea's. But this Gooch. is this is Kerry with yeah, Kennedy. Yeah, no, look, it's great Kennedy, looking back now. Yeah. Tommy Welch, Madness. Kieran Donahue in the full forward line. Yeah, Never mind Gooch I, and Declan and Darren. I, I was there, Tommy. I know. I know the names. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I ended up marking Mark Gooch for that game and it was like never again. That was the end of that. So yeah, if you're gonna if you don't never want to do a job again. Do it really badly, and that's uh, <laughs> that. That's what happened, and I was never seen the full back line again. Thank Paddy, God. you went on to score. Um, I have it here in front of me all the time, just like all the points scored against Mayo. I think it's eleven or twelve in either All Ireland semi-finals or finals. So you go on, and we'll we'll come back to your both of your careers in different ways over the course of the summer. But that that to me is remarkable that you went from 09 Mark and Colin Cooper in the corner. And I remember having you on after you retired. We had you on the breakfast show, to AM. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, I was going through a couple of images that day. And all you can see is Gooch with the ball in his hand. flaking <laughs> him. And I'm going to put some on screen. We're going through it. That yeah. must have just been, that must have been a tough day at the office. Hey, of course it was. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, anytime you lose a big championship game like that. But that was, we were kind of, we were humiliated, really, to be honest. Like, I remember it was yeah. 80,000 there. It's a bank holiday Monday. Um, look, it's a very famous game. Everyone's kind of spoken about it. That was a big turning point for, for Dublin. And you kind of think, no more so than Mayo and Andy would have had games where you learn a hell of a lot of lessons when you lose big games like that. And that was a big learning curve for us. Um, and would we have went on? I Would Dublin have beaten Kerry two years later to win the All-Ireland in 2011? That, that kind of breakthrough All-Ireland, they didn't have that... And the lesson in the back of their mind from from two thousand and nine, um, was why a big turning point for us. Why did you, know? you learn after 09 and why why was it that? I think it's just we were when you lose a game with seventeen points. There's a hell of a lot of uh, lessons to be learned, and just how we played, how we approached games. Like I say, we, we probably thought and we did. We we thought we were better than what we were. 
that was a kind of a running team with Dublin Club at that time. We hadn't won all Ireland or anything over that period. So, look, I, I think it's the same in any sport and with teams now. It's very difficult for any team to come through and win an All Ireland straight off the bat. It's usually a process. It's usually a journey of mm. you get close a couple of times. There's a couple of setbacks. You might change coaches. You might new players come in and things like that. But that's all part of of getting over the line. Like it's it's so rare. Because I can't remember the last time a team, particularly a GAA or hurling, has come in and just won the All Ireland completely out of the, out of the bat. It's you need to lose probably a couple of big games and learn the lessons from that to to get over the line eventually. Probably, I suppose Armagh probably had the semi finals in '99 and. 2000 like you, yeah exactly yeah. When, when I when I, I was kind of being facetious there when I was saying you thought you were favourites like Dublin were in all Ireland <laughs> semi-finals in 06 <laughs> I think even 08 um, the oh, year 06 and 7 oh, 06, 06 and 7, seven uh, when P- Pillar was coaching them Tyrone yeah. the year before we played Tyrone and Pillar's yeah. last game and again we were probably thinking we were favourites and Tyrone bet us by about 13 points that yeah. day so uh, and it's funny like uh, you look at those teams and I had kind of made my debut, Keane O'Sullivan would be similar age to me, Clucko, Bernard Brogan, Dermot Connolly, Paul Flynn. We were all playing in those games like, when Dublin were being absolutely annihilated. Like beating out the gate back-to-back in quarter-final in 08 and 09. And I think that was always something that kind of stuck with us. Later, when we, when we were fortunate enough to start having success through under... under Pat and then under with Jim when we started winning all Ireland regularly you never forget those games that you lose by that much you never forget that feeling um, and it's funny pe- people might remember it, but like, we got some bad beatings as well before it was all sunshine and roses towards the end as well you know so big lesson but it's the same in any sport you know? I, I remember thinking back even even them times and um, you could see you coming up you, you, Joe you won Leinster yeah. like, I think you only won lost one Leinster in about from about mm. six to about eleven, even at that time, you could see you coming, and everyone was like, "If the win one, we're in big trouble here." <laughs> but you could see, you could see, like we played you two thousand and three. I think Tommy Lyons was your twenty one coach. Yeah, that team was amazing. Like you're on about playing. Tommy Lyons used to do this thing where he used to play the forwards for one half, and then he used to play them as backs. So they were getting used to that as well. So yeah, yeah, the development was happening. Yeah, it probably a bit longer than they probably expected, and they needed probably mm. someone like Pat Gilroy to come in and really strengthen it together. But that's I think that's a fascinating. I've that written down actually. I think that's a fascinating one there. Who was the manager that came in and won it straight off the bat? I think, and it'll probably bring us into it'll probably bring us into Tyrone, Paddy. Like we have, like you, John on ninety eight. You know, it happened there for yeah. a while. John on 98, then you had Joe Kernan in two thousand two. Mickey Hart, yeah. Mickey Hart two thousand three. Jack O'Connor two thousand four. And they were first-time managers. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, even McGuinness... He needed a couple like, of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, John Gilroy, all these guys needed maybe... Well, Jim. Jim did it in 13. That was his first year. Who? Jim Gavin. Jim came in in 13. But, but, he but the, that, the team had been on a cycle, really. Yeah. Yeah. He had a team that won one at that yes. stage. That's the, that's mm. the point. So it's it's fascinating yeah. the way it kind of... You, know, it, 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 you, you go in... All of a sudden, in the early two thousands, when it started getting busy and professional, mm-hmm. a manager can come in and have this huge monumental effect on a team. Yeah, but I don't think it happens as as much. But, but Andy, it's not just it's not just yeah, it's across sport. Like like mm-hmm. you look, it happens so so rarely that a team will just come bolt out of the blue. I think like Leicester City in the Premier League. What was that five years ago? That, that got such recognition because that it, it's so rare that it happens. Usually, or it's GAA. Limerick hurlers on their side of things, soccer, rugby, and it, 
it takes two or three years. You need to learn the lessons of it because it's so competitive at that that elite level. You know, very, very rarely, particularly, like I say, particularly this day and age, a coach comes in and has all the answers. New players come in, they've all the answers and they beat the big teams. And like we're talking about, we're not talking about winning one big game, like maybe last year's championship, obviously Tipperary winning the Munster Championship and things like that. We're talking about winning the whole thing. You need to win three or four big games. It's not just one off. You need to beat, like if you're going to win the All-Ireland this year, you're probably you're going to have to beat Dublin, probably going to have to beat Kerry and you're probably going to have to beat one of the big Northern teams as well. Like, that is a big ask for the new team to come in and do that. They might win one, but it happens so rarely that you win them all, you know. We will have plenty of time to talk Dublin and Mayo and all of those <laughs> games and all of those finals. Um, is, there a, is there a standout moment, Andy Moran, from playing Dublin that you actually like? You've had so much pain, I suppose. But I, I would look back on the... 17 final as as a highlight like it I, I don't think there was ever a game Paddy between the two of us where we both played at our peak yeah and like both come off the pitch and go oh gee you know like you couldn't give a, a, anything more and I think that was the game like of course we had opportunities to win it uh, without mm. question but if you look at the players Dublin did bring off the bench that day there's an awful lot of stuff that went on but we scored 116 we scored 19 points I've always yeah. said in interviews during the year I don't know if you've noticed during the years you have to get to 20 to beat 20. Dublin you have to get to 20 to beat Dublin mm. and we got to 119 you know there's, there's very little more you can do um, within a game um, and you know it comes down to the I suppose the, the Dean Rock Killian freeze at the end of it but there was an awful mm. lot more in it like if you've seen it Dean Rock had a, an opportunity at the end of the game where he could have put it across to Manu. Manu taps in a goal, but he fists mm. it over there. I think that puts you level, Paddy, or Manu. Yeah. Like, so we could have got bet by maybe two there. Yeah. Manu's two- screaming. Manu's screaming at him. I can remember that. They're so, like, all of those games. We played each other so often. It was incredible. Between National League games and then for five or six years, it was like all around semi-final, replays, draws, suspensions, point victories, point defeats. It was just continuous and, and every one of those games could go either way. That, that, that's why, as players, it was so enthralling. Like, you come off the pitch playing Mayo and it's just, you're flat to the mat from the first minute. You know, you're, you're, you're physically and mentally drained. The supporters are physically and mentally drained because it just felt like it was year on year on year. And that, that's why it captured the imagination, I suppose, that, you know, probably in the noughties, that was Tyrone and Kerry. They were the two top teams and had some incredible games. And for the last decade, it was probably us. But but those things, like there's so many moments in 15, in 16, in the 13 final, like we won by a point. The 17 final, you know, and even, geez, even last year, me and Andy are fed up, long gone, and they're still playing each other in all Ireland finals. It's unbelievable. Like, so it was just, it was great to be a part of it. It was a privilege to be a part of it. And like I say, Probably at the time, as it's going on, the two teams maybe don't appreciate it as much and we probably wouldn't know each other that well because it was just, we just had to beat Mayo. We knew if we were going to get to where we wanted to go, we had to beat Mayo. So that, that's a huge rivalry. Yeah. And it's only now when you step out and kind of have catch up with Andy over the last few weeks and stuff like that. It's great to be able to look back. And like the, the current players now, they're, they're not thinking that way. But yeah. when, you, when you finish up, it's nice to be able to look back and geez, there were some games. Yeah. Well, as, an, as a neutral and a mead man, I was always crying for Mayo to win just one of them. <laughs> as a, as somebody who works no the surprise media, there. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, it, ju- it just, it always felt like 
it needed a Mayo win, but maybe it didn't. Maybe that performance in 17, maybe the story is is much more about the journey that those finals went on. I watched back the 2013 final last week, just, just out of interest. And uh, Andy, we're going to have to talk about a travesty here. And it's actually around Paddy Andrews' career. It may not be a good moment for you, but Bernard Brogan's goal, you remember it, Andy, don't you? Paul Flynn, long ball in. Right. Brogan flicks it over Henley. Whoever the cameraman was that day screwed over Paddy Andrews. Because (laughs) I was getting that. Colin Boyle, listen to this. Colin Boyle is breaking out with the ball. The ball spills. And as it's coming to Paddy Andrews, the camera changes. So you can't tell how it ends up in Paul Flynn's hand and he puts it into Bernard Brogan. It looks like it ricochets off his knee and it goes into Flinner's hand. Nah. I asked Paddy yesterday and he reckons he chipped it into Flinner's hand. Do you, did you have a bird's eye view of that, Andy? Did you see what happened that day? Um, no, I, I, I don't go back that part of the country at all. Yeah, but I, I think the fascinating one about it though, Tommy, is like using the racehorse analogy, like, you know, the, the second place horse that can get up to the nose, but the yes. fella just knows how to win. Yeah. And I, Dublin always knew at the start when the game was in chaos, the start and the end of the games, they always found a way. If it was Costello coming on, kicking four, mm. if it was Joe Conley coming on, just disrupting our setup a tiny bit. If it's, you know... Kevin- it, was Paddy, it was Paddy in 16 when McCarthy got that black card. You scored two points before yeah, halftime, that's it. Massive, yeah. And then, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah you, you even have... Um, what was it? Who, who did you bring on 17? Was it Conley that you brought on? And we Conley and Kev Mack. Yeah. Kev McMenamin, yeah. Yes, yes. And we had... They were half-time. They were we half-time substitutions. Yeah, we had, we had... Yeah, I got whipped off at half-time, yeah. Did you? But, but we, we, <laughs> yeah, we, shambles. I don't Paddy, remember that match. <laughs> Paddy, that day, we had Paddy Durkin on Mannion. And he was actually... Yeah, yeah. He was doing a really good tagging job. Yeah, yeah. Paddy goes across on Kevin Mack or Conley. I can't remember which one. Mannion scored three or four in the second half. Absolutely. Yeah. Nailed us for the thing, first yeah. 10 minutes. So it's little... Yo, it's funny you said like that, that that goal you're talking about, Tommy. That that's yeah. first half of the 13 final. We were under pressure. Like, like were Andy well Moore on top. Well, uh, Andy, Andy Keith Higgins running the show. Yeah, and, Andy, um, Andy kicked the point. May over three or four. And, yeah. And we we got that goal. And that goal, funny enough, we weren't going well. And Berno being Berno obviously got the goal. And if you actually look at the goal from from away, he's the only man inside the 45. Because we are just in chaos because Mayo were attacking him. We're running around all over the pitch. Our shape is completely gone up front, but Berno gets the goal as as that was just he was so mad for the under, obviously, and that helped turn the game back in our tide. And it was like, like exactly what Andy's saying. Some of the big moments we probably managed a little bit better and got a couple of breaks that that, that helped kind of settle us. And that was a big thing. Exactly what you were saying. It's taking the other team out of their rhythm. Like we knew each other so well that we would always have a plan for what Mayo were going to do and Mayo knew us so well so they're, they're always trying to disrupt us and it was whoever could kind of keep that cool yeah and you were never going to no team ever managed to do it for 70 minutes but you yeah. get a period for 10 or 15 minutes where you're on top and you needed to make make it make the hay at yeah. that point uh, and that was probably we were able to do that a little bit easier in some of those bigger games and that that got us over the line but listen we're, we're going to get it we'll have plenty of time over the summer to get into various games and various moments from that rivalry if there's anything, any stories people want to learn, if you want to find out what happened in Coppers that <laughs> night or anything like that, just just email us, just just WhatsApp in to off the ball at 0879-180-180. I have an email address that I'll dig out next week um, for the show as well. And we'll we'll be on Twitter too. So you'll be able to get in touch with us. The football's back, lads. The football's back. Lovely. Andy, I know you were coaching last night. And as I said, Paddy, you were you were hanging about at Bridges training as well. I was training on my own. I'll be going on a long commute oh. back to training this year. I'll be I'll be training hopefully with a club down here in Clare. But 
the football, the real football is back this weekend. The National Football League, we have a couple of big games on the cards. We have Galway and Kerry that we're going to come to in a couple of minutes. Paddy, who who's catching your eye when you're looking at the league? Who are you looking forward to seeing most this, this summer? Uh, well, I think the same as everyone. It, it's kind of hard to get a gauge on, on what teams are going to do because there just hasn't been games in six months. Teams haven't been able to go back training only for the last couple of weeks. But it will be very interesting this year because the league, it's so condensed. The season is normally nine or ten months. It gives new managers, it gives teams, players chance to kind of ease themselves in. Whereas now, if you go all the way to the All-Ireland final, the season is four months. So you have got to use the National League, the three games you get, hopefully teams will try to get to a league final or something, and get the four games in. And then you're rolling straight into the championship. So you need to hit the ground running. And for me, one of the biggest changes from from previous years is Tyrone. Obviously, that Tyrone have, have had Mickey Hart there for the goods of 20 years. And an incredible, like an icon, not just in Toronto, but in GAA and what, what he achieved. But I, I got the sense for, from being in the Dublin. And there seemed to be a narrative around the last two or three, maybe even four years, from with, nearly within Tyrone, from their supporters, from ex-players, from the media, that nearly Mickey Hart's game plan and his style of play that had brought so much success started to become stale. And as Tyrone started developing these really, really talented players coming through, obviously Conor McKenna's back, Colin McShane, the guys like, uh, obviously Peter Canavan's son coming through as well. Derek Tyrone, Canavan, all of us, yeah. Derek Canavan, yeah. And they, they started Ronan O'Neill, Kyle Coney, these guys, they, they seem to have these really exciting flair players, attacking players. And they were still playing this nearly robotic style of defensive play and nearly asking their forwards to nearly sacrifice a bit of their game and a bit of their flair to come back and play this defensive system. And that that had been such a huge success, of a huge part of Tyrone's success for years and years and years. But the feeling, and it seemed to be coming from within Tyrone nearly, that they needed to change. That Mickey Hart style, as brilliant as he had been, in order to get the best out of these players, these younger, kind of more exciting forwards coming through, the Tyrone need to play a bit more expansive and be a bit more open. So... Lo and behold, Mickey, Mickey's moved on and you've got Fergal Logan and Brian Dewar coming in this year, have worked with a lot of those underage guys. They had success. They won the under-21 All-Ireland. I am intrigued to see how Tyrone go about changing that. Or if, if they will, I presume they will. I presume that's why they've been brought in to do that and nearly let these Tyrone forwards off the, off the leash. You know, are, are we going to see them Tyrone lose the ball instead of 13 players sprinting back to their own half? Are Tyrone going to keep four or five forwards up the pitch. I'm not expecting to turn into the Harlem Globetrotters now yeah, yeah. this weekend when they play Donegal, but I think that is a big thing for Tyrone. There's, the sense seemed to be that if they could find that balance between their traditional defensive side, but also get the best out of McKenna, get the best out of Cadman, get the best out of McShane, that they could take that next next step and win the R. And to be honest, from, from my point of view, with, with looking from with my Dublin hat on, the way, the style of play they were playing with Mickey towards the end, I don't think that was going to win an All-Ireland. I agree to an extent with that. As brilliant as Mickey Hart was and, and as the player, talent the players thrown at, you cannot play that defensively and hope to win against Dublin and Kerry because the best teams are comfortable on the ball. They, they, they're they used to playing against that sort of defensive style. So Tyrone needed to change. They needed to play a bit more expansive and I think they have the players to do that. So I'm intrigued to see the balance they try and fix. And it's going to be very, it's going to be very difficult. Um, they went six, did they go six points clear on you at the start of the All-Ireland final? And anywhere at home was like, what, what's going on here? 
Yeah, well, we, we played them at 17 in the semi-final and, and they played that type of defensive style and we, we were really prepared for it. We ended up winning the game by, by 14 or 15 points. And they, they started to try and tweak it, but it's, like I say, that was a philosophy they had and those players had for years and years and years. It's very hard to change a game plan overnight. You did know, they ever rattle? Time. Did they ever no, rattle? No, like when no. you think of Tyrone in the 2000s, you think of Darrow Shea lying on the ground, that iconic image, and you have mm. Kevin Hughes and McGuigan and Duhur and yeah. uh, whoever else around them. And like it was that manic intensity from Tyrone. But that, that wasn't happening in 17 and 18. No, no, to be honest. And I look, I think if you look at the 2018 final when they, they got a good start on us, that was, Dublin were going for four All-Irelands in a row at that time. You know, we were very much, we were a very experienced team, our coaches, our players. We weren't overly concerned with it because we felt that they, their style of play wasn't going to be enough to, to, to outscore us over 70 minutes. Like Andy was saying earlier, you know, if you want to win the All-Ireland, you've got to be able to put up a score to kind of one, 118, 119, 20 points to win a game. And we felt we'd always have enough against that type of defensive system that we'd be comfortable enough on the ball to break it down. Um, and, and look, I kind of got the sense of that, but it seemed to be, like I say, the, the coverage in the media kind of coverage, even ex-Tyrone players, that seemed to be the sense that they wanted to change something and try something a bit new and kind of let these players off the leash. So that, that, I think it's very interesting to see the balance they try and strike from the really positive aspects of the defensive style being really hard to play against. But can, can they get McKenna and McShane and Canavan and these guys to start racking up four, five, six points from play? And that, that I feel that would put their own into, into, right into the All-Ireland category. But it, it's finding that balance and it's very, very difficult to do, particularly this season. Like, you have no time to do it. You know, when you're, when you're that, talking that, about a cultural shift, especially, yeah, like you're talking huge. about one manager changing. Like Andy, in Mayo, like, did you have six, seven, seven managers across your time at Mayo? Um, would you be looking in on Tyrone and thinking that Duhar and Logan can turn it around straight away or should they be trying to? I think it's going to be difficult for them. I think they probably have mm. a, a better chance than Mickey Hart for the simple reason is that team in the noughties was Mickey Hart's team. Yeah. He managed them a minor, he managed them at under 21, then brought them into senior. He could adjust that team and he trusted them with everything. Okay, then that team moves on, Mulligan, all these guys move on, Stephen O'Neill, they move on. And then you have to trust another calibre of players. So to switch it and move it and change it is very, very difficult. And they mightn't have understood his philosophy perfectly and all that. So it is definitely, I think it's a positive change. If, and again, nothing but admiration mm. for Mickey Hart, but I think it is a positive change for, for Tyrone. Uh, that management team with Peter Kahneman and I'd say he's in around the background as well um, <laughs> that management team won an under 21 uh, or they got to a final anyway did they win I think they won the, they won the, it, yeah. they won the final so it's, it's amazing but I would expect more from their players I remember like playing against Tyrone back in not 5 not 6 and you'd be marked to Davy Hart you'd go in ball would come in high into the box you'd go in and attack Big Pascal or Divine would catch it. Yeah, yeah. You'd, look, you'd look around and Davy Hart would be standing out on the wing. Like, you know, like, was, grand, yeah. like He wasn't coming in marking me because he trusted Gormley and they, they had, they had, like Gormley would tell him, get out of here. What are you doing in here? Do you know? And then he's gone on me and he's scoring a point or two and you're struggling and then you're under pressure. But players, Mark Bradley, we mentioned McKenna and McShane, huge players. Mark Bradley is one-on-one with Michael Murphy last year on the 13-yard line and he kicks it over the bar. I'm just like, just go at him. It's Michael Murphy or Mark Bradley or five foot five. Yeah, yeah. Joe, you know, just step him and go for it. Huge moment within the game. Didn't take it on. Kicks a point. Lovely. You get your point. But, but Andy, I think that's always, that, that seems to be the sense that they yeah. were nearly 
playing within themselves. Hundred percent. That that it was this. This is the structure. This is the structure we play. It's the system, the defensive system first is troubling, and they weren't taking. I felt they they weren't taking risks and. Great. And maybe that comes from the messages from the coach and like say Mickey Hart, maybe not, you don't know, trusting them enough for the players not understand that or just that little bit, they're maybe not all on the same wavelength. And they just seem to be conservative in how they're playing. Defence came first and and that's, it, fi- that's fine in a way, but the players they have, the talented forwards they have, can they let them off the leash a bit? Because I think that would be a big shift for Tyrone. And it'd be, that's why it's interesting to see how they go about it. And if your performance indicators, uh, uh, Paddy, are we need to score twenty points to win this game here, mm. you take you take on your your mindset is different there. Yeah. yeah. But if you're trying to win it with thirteen or fourteen points, then sit back, hold the lead. You'll struggle mm. even on a wet day. So, like what I would say, Mark Bradley, I think he's a hugely impressive footballer. He's one guy mm. that really needs to take off this year. They're waiting for him. It's now time for him to take <laughs> off. And then I think with the one huge advantage Tyrone have on everyone else and. Talking to a dub, this is this is interesting because Cluxton gave them such an advantage over the years, right? Mm. But Mor- Morgan is a huge advantage, left. like he's mm. a huge. It's like an extra player, like to be fair, in terms of their offensive transitions. Yeah, Centre yeah. forward for his club or a sweeper for his club. He's an intelligent outfield player, and he's got the goalkeeping skills to go with it. And the one thing with Morgan too, he's a header, like he's, <laughs> he's matured over the years. Like he's, he's got, like you uh, to the crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got. Oh, Jesus, I, yeah. I'll tell you a story about that now in a minute. But but he, he like he's matured over the years. Now he's a really good keeper. Last year when they were playing against Donegal, I don't know if you remember Murphy's on the edge of the square. American McNamee. Morgan wins the ball out in front of the two boys. Like, mm. like he, he knows the game. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it definitely yeah, yeah. that extra attack. And I think that's the way goalkeeping is going to go, lads. I think it's going to go more advanced. I think they're going to push on. And if you can create them 2v1s on the overlap all the time, I think you've got mm. a chance. I was, I was, last game I played in Healy Park, 19, I would come in and Aidan O'Shea shouting at me. He said, leave the keeper at it. So I leave Morgan at it, right? I go to America, go, go at him. He outruns me because he's rapid. And he swings this one over from 35, 40 yards with outside of... Yeah, yeah. He runs the field. Runs the field. Yeah, I remember seeing it. He's running back to the goal. And I, like, we've won well. We've won well at the time. And he, yeah. he goes, he goes, the man marked me around these parts more. And he goes, you know... <laughs> He's got that exuberance about him. Like, and he started roaring, laughing at Magnum, he started laughing too. But they've got that, you know, they've got that. I think he's a huge advantage. That's, mm. I think he's matured yeah. enough now to really take the game on. And I think it's going to be the new way a goalie's going to play into the future. Well, they have, they do have the raw materials. Like, when you talk about Ronan McNamee yeah. there, like, that's a presence of full back. You've got Morgan. You're mentioning a lad like Mark Bradley. Paddy, you've spoken about Dara Canavan. Who knows if Dara Canavan can stand up and show the, the form and the talent that he's shown in under 20 level. But Conor McKenna, like we didn't see him yeah. last year, but Conor McKenna is somebody you'd pay to watch play football. He is an exciting footballer. And that's like, he's, it was amazing. I thought the impact he had so, so quickly in terms mm. of coming back, you know, whatever. And we're playing a different sport for a couple of years and to come back, it's like it takes time to kind of find that sharpness, get up to speed. You know, you nearly, play a couple of club games and to kind of get you ease yourself back in. But he came in and had an impact at the highest level straight away. And you would have to say you'd expect him only to get better this season. McShane coming back, a big loss from the previous year. I think he won an All-Star that year. He's kind of revitalised. Yeah, revitalised, re-energised playing on the edge of the square. And that's like, I don't think there's ever been an issue. And that's why you seem to get the sense of frustration from Tyrone supporters nearly that they can see that they have these these tools at their disposal. And that is that is the big challenge for, for Logan and Duo coming in is 
how do we get the best out of them without sacrificing the best part of, of the previous game plan of being really hard to play against and really hard to stop and ultimately it's not just Tyrone I think it's interesting because they've new coaches but there's probably three or four of the top teams that are looking to find that balance um, in order to take the next step and really get into contention with, with Dublin for, for the All-Ireland But just on McKenna Tommy there before you move on like we, I come from a club where we lost two players originally to Australian rules Pearson Keane Handley Keane is home but like for a county like Mayo What's the big football? Oh, Pierce Hanley was yeah. incredible. Yeah, she was incredible. in DCU with us. Yeah, DCU, yeah. But, but to lose a player of that, like he was the best player, like 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 you like, know what you say? Yeah, he, he was. was. Yeah, unbelievable. So where, where would he have played if he was if, if Pierce had at home and would he played half forward and eleven in 13, three, 14? Three, six, eight, nine, eleven. He could play anywhere. Anywhere in the middle. Like, yeah. like wow. he he played full forward against Roscommon under twenty one when he was eighteen. Scores nine points. Like incredible player. Nash in in Mead, I'm sure the same. Yeah. But you look at the impact Marty Clark had in down. Yeah. When he came yeah. home in, in, 10. in 10. It was nearly like putting Kieran McDonald in his pomp into the down team and said, and then they're bringing that kind of professionalism, culture, like the stuff that Dublin are so far ahead of everybody else with. Mm. They're bringing that back into a team, which does give you a chance. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, look, was, you, was there ever a chance of Hanley coming home? Ever? I hope there's still a chance of him coming home. <laughs> <laughs> He's 40 now, but we're still going to get him home. I, I still hope, but like, was there ever a chance? Um, maybe once, maybe once, but no, not really. I, I don't, he, he'd I, have made some difference, I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. Like he was in DCU with yeah. us for two so, years before he went to uh, before he went to Brisbane. He would have been a phenomenal... And you know, the type of player nearly Mayo were crying out for as well, just so athletic, a real scoring threat. And like Kevin McLaughlin kind of did that to an extent in the half forward line. But if you had Pierce Hanley with, with him, mm. the, the, those two guys in there, and then Andy and Killian inside, and obviously Aiden O'Shea. And look, it would have been, I think he would have made a huge impact. Obviously, yeah. he was just, a, he was an amazing footballer before he went. And that, that's what Tyrone are banking on for McKenna to do. And mm. the first stage of it last year, in his first year back to have such an impact, he again is someone you're expecting. He's only going to get better. And again, that's why it makes Tyrone. We don't know because we haven't seen anything today, but they are very interesting to watch over the first couple of rounds of the league and see Definitely. what are they actually trying to do? Is there a big change or have they said the time is too tight, there's not enough window and we'll just kind of carry on with the same style under Mickey Hart. I think that would be disappointing for, for Toronto to do that, but you'll get a sense for this weekend when they play Donegal. And Paddy, and Paddy, they have to put one over Donegal at the weekend because... Yeah, it's big. Donegal, yeah. Donegal have this on them. The last yeah, couple. definitely. And Tyrone need to put a need to put a number on them. You know, and like definitely. they're they're on the same side of the draw. And I, I I take my time in saying that because my gardens in Cavan and Cavan are the Ulster winners, and uh, Tyrone are playing Cavan <laughs> the first day out. So you know you've got is it going to be a bit of shadow boxing this weekend? It's hard to know. Um, we're not going to get into mm, Donegal so. this week, boys. We're not going to get into Donegal. You don't think so? Not not enough time for shadow boxing. You're probably right. So we're going to keep the score of the Division One and Division Two games for the, for this week anyway, and see how we get on. Who are you calling in, in a word? Tyrone or Donegal on Saturday at five o'clock? Paddy. Tyrone. Andy. Tyrone. Now I'm hearing Donegal are absolutely flying. So yeah. <laughs> One word, Andy. One yeah. word. Tyrone. 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 Grant. Yeah. I'm picking Donegal. Uh, we will move on. So. Um, Andy, when I when I ask you to pick out a team this week that you want, you're keeping an eye on. You're obviously going to Galway and Kerry. So, mm. as a Mayo man, what's it been like watching Galway? Probably think they're good enough to get there, 
but not get there over the last decade. Like they came close-ish under Kevin Walsh, I would say. The Kevin Walsh brought them, he brought them really far. There were stages in that Dublin, that All Ireland semi-final, that they came really close to rattling Dublin. I thought maybe not. <laughs> maybe Comer and Clucks and that that clash in in towards the goal. But how has it been watching Galway over the last couple of years? Can Porrick Joyce bring them on another level this year? And is that next level an All Ireland title or what is success for Galway? Is it just to get to an All Ireland semi-final? Well, I think the way it's knockout knockout championship, I think it's going to be huge. Who win, like you have like you have to win your province first. So good. Obviously, Connacht is very um, competitive with Roscommon Division 1 team, Galway Division 1 team, and Mayo just slipped out of Division 1 as well. So I think it, it's going to be hugely competitive. But what, what's very interesting with Galway is Porrick Joyce, of course, and then you have John Divley on, on top of it. So John Divley winning two Sigersons with QCD. You know, very bright guy, played centre-back on that Galway 98 team. Um, so I, I, think that, like, I think they're very interested to watch. They're in that group with, like I think it's Dublin, Kerry, and then they're in that group with Mayo... Uh, Galway, Tyrone, just after, and I think the, the it's it's a great championship. Hold on, would Mayo not be in that top group? They're in the All Ireland final last year. Oh, I said Mayo. I said no. Jeez, I wouldn't leave Mayo. I thought you said. I said in trouble already. Look, no, He's I said in trouble already. No, no, it's Dublin Kerry. I think then there's a group. There's a group. Okay. Oh, that's you, have to, you have to be respectful to, I suppose, the transitional period of the Mayo team that's gone through at the minute, and you know, giving them a chance to get back up there. But they're a good side, and the really good players coming through. So I'm definitely not writing them off. But the the Galway thing is very interesting. Um, yeah. The key for Galway, in my opinion in my opinion, is Damien Comer. They have to whatever they do. And we'll talk about Ganey for Kerry in a few minutes. Um, yeah. But Comer's absolutely key, lads. You, like you've Shane Walsh there, who's very robust, really good player, and he, he can stay, like a class player, but he can stay healthy a lot of the time. You have Conroy now, who was always a very good footballer. Yeah. And I have huge respect for it, but like he is now the footballer he always wanted to be. Like he was outstanding against Mio last year. Like he was, yeah, he was amazing. What so, do you mean by that? The footballer he always wanted to be. Well, he always had the. He always had this potential. He always had the talent from his. But, but, yeah. but sometimes it comes later in a fella's career. He just realizes, okay, I wasn't doing this well. My nutrition wasn't good enough. I wasn't sleeping well enough. I wasn't training hard enough. And I don't know if you remember, but Conroy got a bad injury maybe twenty four months yeah, ago. Yeah, it was leg. Yeah, yeah, very bad injury. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you that straightened him a tiny bit. And he said, right, what do I need to do to get back? How do I get back? Like, he played so well for Galway last year, but they reckon he was the best player in the whole club championship last year in Galway too. Like, so this wasn't just a flash. He's ready to go. But to make that good, you need the tripod effect. Like, you need Comer or one of them at full forward and you need the two boys outside so that you have that link. But at the minute, Galway just don't have that. They're relying on two guys to kick all their scores. Um, and, and they're struggling with it. Now, I would say that Kevin Walsh deserves huge credit. That's like very, um, I think he gets talked down too much. He, like, he literally, we were beating Gola by multiple, multiple points. Yeah, it's, I, I find it fascinating from, from again, from the outside looking in, and, and very, Walsh, very similar to what Toronto are trying to do now. Like, Walsh comes in, stabilizes the whole thing, yeah, completely. Miss maybe plays a tiny bit too defensive, but stabilizes the whole of the team. And now he's handed over a very good po- package to, to Porrick Joyce. You could use the analogy, the midfielder into the full forward line. <laughs> to finish the job off. But there is something there. But the key thing, Comer, ha- whatever they do with Comer, however they train him, they have to keep him fit to have a chance. They have a really good... Sean Kelly played wing forward for them for a couple of years. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful cornerback. And like he's carrying ball, he's linking the play, he's getting the ball up quicker up the field for them. 
very, very good player, very smart. Johnny Heaney, very, very good player, very smart. Mm. McDade is a very good player as well, back from Australian rules, good player as well. Maybe a problem in goal, uh, goalkeeper. And they had a mm. problem last year at midfield. But the big one, lads, is Peter Cook is back for them this year. Um, right good player, left the panel last year. But when we bet Galway and Limerick in 2019, Cook scores four from play. Mm. This, boy, this, boy, this boy can play in. that's it Andy I don't think it's a case Galway have always had really talented players mm. and you look through I totally agree that Kevin Walsh I think did an amazing job at Galway Mayo had been the dominant team at one kind of championships where we're at competing with us to win all Ireland and Galway weren't really anywhere to be seen Kevin Walsh comes in in 2018 they top division one so they're top of the normal standings they get to the league final they lose narrowly to us they win the kind of championship and they get to an All-Ireland semi-final from after years and years of Mayo dominating. Yes, it was a very defensive style of play, not traditionally what you'd associate with Galway. But that was, in my eyes, huge success and huge progress for Galway. Top of Division 1, League Final, College Champions, All-Ireland semi-final. Again, kind of murmurs from supporters and players that, listen, this style is too defensive. It's not really traditionally what Galway do. Again, we have guys like Comer, Shane Walsh, Conroy, really expressive, lovely, lovely footballers. Let's get back to playing the more traditional Galway style, uh, more attacking. And that's what, what Parrick Joyce, again, like what a, an icon, an unbelievable forward in this generation. You expect he is trying to do that, to, to develop that game plan and play that expressive style of play. But then as he tried to do that last season, all of the good things, I suppose, from Kevin Walsh's time. Like they played Mayo in a league game. They conceded, what, 323 that day in the, in the first game. So it's finding that balance, very similar to what Toronto are trying to do. Galway have really, really talented forwards. How do we get the best out of them? Because you're right, Comer, Shane Walsh, Connery, these are top players across the board in the country. Can we get the best out of them? But can we be really hard to play against defensively? That's the balance they're trying to find. And I do, I think Kevin Walsh was kind of nearly... The tenure was looked down upon, upon because it probably wasn't the most exciting style to watch. But Galway are in that bracket where you know what Park Joyce and John Dibley are going to try and do. Unbelievable servants to Galway. They'll have a philosophy. Galway have the players. It's finding that balance and letting those guys to, to come out and express themselves. And can Comer have a year like he had in 2018? Can Shane Walsh have a, have a year where he's injury-free and he's consistent? If he does that, and if Galway do that, I would probably have them as favourites for Connacht. But you don't know it. You haven't seen the proof that they're able to do it yet. And there's always that thing, if Mayo get a bit of momentum, like Mayo are not going to be short of confidence going in. They could easily knock them off and win Connacht again. So it's that that's very interesting for Galway as well. Um, can they find that balance? Particularly, look, a game against Kerry in the first game away. No better place to start to try and do it. But if you, if you look at our, our careers, so if you look at my career, for example, right? Killian comes onto the scene in 11. And then all of a sudden, like Dublin have to put Rory O'Carroll on Killian or her have to put mm. you know, one of their best markers. All of a sudden, it frees me up a tiny bit. That it's, was great. I loved it. Yeah. I'd say about myself. No, Someone you, Mark Burnham. Yeah, I got it over here. But you know what I mean, yeah. Paddy? And when I was describing you, your career at the start against us, mm. it was like, you mark Bernard Brogan and you go one and a half men on Bernard Brogan and a half men on Paddy Andrews. Paddy Andrews scored five points. So the mm. danger is like, you got to have a spread of danger men around your forward line or else 100%. It's, it's too easy for the defensive line to come in off the weak side and, uh, and think if Comer isn't fit Walsh if it's me or Roscommon playing against him one man gets a yellow card on Walsh yeah no somebody, I agree somebody, yeah. somebody else goes on him it's too easy so you need to have a, a spread like Desi Keneally played last year for Galway 
lovely player, but he needed a mountain beside him. He needs someone to go in and push yeah. Chris Barrett so he could mark the, the next best defender. And so you need that spread. So that's 100%. What, yeah, it's absolutely right. That, that, that's why I think Comer is, is so key to this goal team. I think the two mm. boys, the other two boys I mentioned in Conroy and Walsh are robust enough to get through a quick season. It's Comer is the key here for them. And if they can keep him mm. fit, I think it gives them an outside chance, do you know? Damien Comer is the key for Galway. Um, and we look at Kerry and immediately, Andy, you had Kerry up there with Dublin as the contenders for the All-Ireland. You had Tyrone and Mayo behind them. Paddy, I, I'd hazard a guess that you probably have Kerry up there as well. Are we yeah, giving Kerry too much credit to put them in there? I don't think so. Um, on the basis, like traditionally, like they were very close to beating Dublin in 2019. Very, very close. You know, a couple of minutes away from that, or less, a minute probably away in the first day in 2019 from winning the All-Ireland. Last year was a disaster for them in terms of, of losing that game to Cork. But they have, very similar to Galway, amazingly talented footballers. I and mean, David Clifford, they have arguably, arguably the best forward in the country. Um but no more so than when Andy talking about how Galway can get the best out of their forward unit as a whole, as opposed to putting all your eggs in, in the Damien Comer basket. And with Comer being there and playing well, it allows the other forwards to thrive. I felt last year, as good as Clifford is, and he is spectacular, that there's nearly an over-reliance on him already at his age. And it's he, I, I sense that he feels that. Um and he can nearly start forcing shots. Now, he, he can take shots from anywhere and probably eight times out of ten, he scores them. But you're thinking, why does he need to take that shot on? And, and I liken it to Kerry at their best was the Naughties team. And Gooch was a similar, like a phenomenon, an absolute, the best forward in the game. But Gooch knew he had Kieran Donny and he'd done a watch and he declared Sullivan. They had an unbelievable forward unit. So Gooch realised, if I'm not going to score 1-5, I can then start linking the play and Donahue can score 1-3 or Declan O'Sullivan can come through with 1-4 and exactly what Andy's saying if you stop Gooch the other guys are going to tear you apart instead whereas there seems to be nearly complacency in the carry forward line whether it's intentional or not that because Clifford is so good just kick the ball into him you see it in the court game last year what did Kerry score 10 or 11 points there's an over-reliance on him and that's why Kerry at their best need to have yes Clifford playing well but where are the other two or three standout forwards to Who take the pressure up? off him? Who needs to stand up in your eyes? Look, I, I, I think Gady's an amazing player, but he probably hasn't been at his best in the last two or three years. I think it's a big, big year for Paul Gady. He's He is an exceptional player. He's proven it at this level already. But if Gady at his best is playing well this weekend, you know, Galway have the hands full of Gady and a freeze up Clifford. You know what I mean? If Gady's quiet... And there's no scoring threat from the half forward. Like Peter King got eviscerated by, by the media and by Kerry supporters last year for playing a defensive half forward and probably in preparation to try and play Dublin. But there's no scoring threat from the half forward line against Cork and they end up losing the game. Kerry at their best have four, five forwards who can absolutely kill you. And I feel in terms of their forward unit has got complacent in how they approach the game and they're over-reliant on Clifford already. That puts pressure on their game plan, but it also puts pressure on David Clifford as a young player, as good as he is. I don't know, Andy, what, like, you were a similar type player to me and I know you would have had those type of thoughts about playing in the forward line as well. Like. Yeah, I think I think Paddy has uh, summed it up well. I think I think just to move it on, again, that tripod effect of Sean O'Shea, Clifford game. Sean O'Shea, yeah. Yeah, but it's just, if you have... Ex- I think experience is such an undervalued 
thing in Gaelic football. Like, if you look at that Dublin team, you go through it, right? Like, when Dublin boys went out training the last day and then it coached with them, Paddy, I was surprised. Cooper could have done that training session himself. You yeah. Know? Uh, <laughs> no. Don't answer the war. He didn't need a coach. Like, you know, yeah. you, you have James McCarthy there. You know, you have Fenton now. You have Kieran Kilkenny. All experienced players. Cluxton. They're not trying to ship Cluxton out. So I look at that Kerry team. Exceptional talent. You look at Tom Sullivan at the, on the full back mm. line. Massive player. You know, and right through. You know, but the key guys is still Paul Murphy. David Moore yeah. and Paul Ganey. And the reason they're so key is because when David Clifford has an off day like he had against Cork last year, if Ganey was playing that game, Kerry win. They'd win. Do it all the game, man. Yeah. 100%. And he's not fit. He doesn't play. And all of a sudden, they've no one just to say, lads, calm down, relax. Let's, let's get around here. And the th- one thing I like about having a real superstar player in Clifford is Ganey has no problem being second best there. Because everyone mm. in the country knows Clifford is so good, right? Okay, same as Dublin with Khan. Everyone knows Khan is an exception. Yeah. So you, you do little bits and pieces. Paddy, I'm sure you did it for Bernard, and I did it for Connor Mort when Connor used to play it, because Connor was just mm. a special talent. So you had to do extra running for these guys. And Ganey would have no problem doing that. I yeah. In Tralee the year before, I seen in Dollar and finally against the boys in, in mm. 2019. So I would say Ganey is key, but I'd also say David Moore is key. Now, yeah. the problem Kerry have with David Moran is he is absolutely essential to their team. But a team can do like what Dublin, and Paddy might come in here, what Dublin did to David Moran in 2019. So James McCarthy, I'm standing, I'm there looking on at the game, and I'm just obsessed with McCarthy. I'm looking at him. <laughs> and he, he literally, he's in on the full forward line, like running David Moran. He doesn't even want the ball. I'm like, what is that book doing? After about 20 minutes, I cop on. He's just burning Moran out of it. I don't know if it was a plan, Paddy. He's just burning Moran's legs. Mm. Left, right, moving. All of a sudden, Dublin kick a wider score. Moran needs to run back out to mm. the middle of the field. And he's on his knees. He's, he's gone. Like, you know, because was it a plan? Was it a plan, Paddy? I well, it just, I just think that's probably naturally James's game anyway. And that's the... We're talking, like you're saying, about how do you go and beat Dublin and things like that. We know David Moran is essential to the carry. What a player, like in terms of his quality on the ball him providing the bullets for, for the guys inside. He is such a key player on that. But if you're Peter Keane, you're going, I don't want David Moran sprinting 100 yards up and down the pitch. One, it's not his natural game. He's not very good at doing that. You want to get the best out of your key players. And it always comes back to that. Can Kerry get Jack Barry or someone else in midfield to do that role? And, 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 and that's exactly what Andy's saying in terms of, or particularly in a forward unit, you can't have six guys that want to do the same thing. You need balance in the team. David Moore, he's at his best when he's winning kickouts and he's on the ball and he's spraying 40, 50-yard kick passes into a lethal full forward line. David Moore is not at his best when he's doing mass runs up and down the middle of the pitch. Mm. He, he becomes an average player because that's not his game. And that's what I think for Kerry throughout the National League. I don't think Kerry are going to be overly concerned about winning the National League. I think they're in a bracket with Dublin. They're using the National League to find, can they find another midfielder? Can they find a back who's horrible to play against? They've lost Peter Crowley. You know, can they get someone in there? And can they find, can Keeney get back to his best? And can they find a forward to supplement that? So That's what, boys, what they're looking at. When you boys are talking about Ganey there, am, am I dumbing down the role a bit when I'm saying that you want Ganey to be the facilitator? Or what do you want? Do you want him to be the number one man? Because for me, sometimes, he's not going like to be the number 19, one man. Like Ganey, well, not the number one man, but, but maybe the first runner, maybe he's the, yeah. a leader. Is it a leader you're looking for? Because in 19, Ganey didn't score the first day around in the All-Ireland final. 
you know, savage day in the second game, but he didn't mm. score in the first. All and, and that's it. And some days Clifford is going to be taken out of it. And that's when you need Ganey to come yeah. in. You need them to supplement each other. Now, you don't go into Paul Ganey and say, right, Ganey, you're the second best. <laughs> does his job. I think naturally as a forward, mm. Addy definitely knew with Bernard, I, like, like with Killian, with Connor Mort, I definitely knew it at times as well. Do you know what I'm saying? But you need fellas to do different jobs. So if we but, look at God. But it's, it's that, that's the experience, Andy, we're talking about. And that's the challenge for Toronto or Galway, these guys. But, but Kerry have that experience. Peter Kane has been there. Gady has been around the block. He's been one of the top forwards. If I'm using my example for playing with Dublin, I was playing full forward, but I was never a, a scorer for us. And the reason being, I'm not, but Bernard Brogan standing there beside me, or Dean Rock is standing there beside me. They are the most lethal pair of finishers, or Paul Mannion or Con O'Callaghan. And I understood that, okay, my role, the way Dublin playing, let's kick the ball up the pitch. I might have to make that first run 40 yards out and collect the ball from our halfbacks or midfielders, probably 45 or 50 yards from goal. Now, I'm not in a particularly dangerous position then, but that is a key role to play because I can turn them and our assassins, our lethal finishers, are now inside the 21. And I can kick the ball to, to Berno or to Khan or to Mannion, the same way Andy would have done it with, with Mort or with, with Killing O'Connor and, and later on. I understood that, that I was never going to score five or six points from play, really. It, maybe in some days you can. And that's we're not telling Gini or not saying to Gini, you're not going to score. But it's linking with your other forwards. If Gini stands there and Clifford's not there, then of course he, he's one of the main men. He should be staying close to goal. But it's finding the balance between the teams. If you, if you have six forwards who want to stand there on the edge of the square and kick scores themselves, that is not going to work. You are not going to win all Ireland with that. And Gini, as good as he is, because he is an exceptional player, hmm. probably needs to work a bit better with with Clifford because Clifford's the main man, and that's that's yeah. just the way it is. And you need to soak that up. I'm like, sure they do. I'm not saying they don't, but I think they can definitely get better at it, and they need to get better at it if they're gonna if they're gonna win the All Ireland. Yeah, I'd have looked a lot, Tommy, at, at Ganey as a player when I was playing, and I'd been trying to learn stuff off. I remember he did a really cute thing against G. Uh, one game I can't remember the year where he stayed really out wide against C. Paddy. Yeah. Like and I was just watching his movement and where he was going and how he was moving in behind Mick Fitz or Johnny Cooper at the time and it was just uh, I just thought it was really smart. So I don't think this needs to be a like a toll thing to Ganey. Yeah, he know, he knows. Ganey, Ganey now is at the age. He's at the brightness. He's a smart guy. He wants to win all Ireland's. I, I think he'd be. You know, it, it's just a natural thing you would mm. do as a player. You know, I think and they've played together now enough. As as Paddy mm. says, he needs to get a bit more form back. And he needs to go. He needs to get. He needs to keep fit. But with uh, the, what? No, I, I think that's the thing. I think it's, it's his form. Probably he's had a couple of knocks and injuries. He's a little bit older. I think if he gets back to his best form, like he's a smart player. The Kerry guys are smart yeah. forwards. That it's just getting it, getting it running. And what it does, if Gainey's out, and you look at the court game last year, Sean O'Shea gets the ball, or David Moore gets the ball in midfield. The entire defence knows this is going fifty yards to David Clifford. Yeah. The element of surprise is gone. The threat is all on, on one player, one side of the pitch. As good as Clifford is, it makes it so much more difficult for Kerry to rack up those scores at their best. Like I say, the Naughties team, Jack O'Connor, Pat O'Shea's team, they had five or six forwards. Stop the gooch, it doesn't matter. Declan Sullivan's going to tear you to bits. And that's the balance to get Sean O'Shea, get Clifford, get Ganey and Spillane coming in. Like they have the talent. It's just getting... If they work as a unit, and I, I just get the sense from the outside looking in that they've become complacent in their forward play because they have Clifford and it's like, just let it into him. He'll do the rest. I don't think that's going to work. That's not going to fly to win an all-earth. When you, when you think of that court game, like there, 
Clifford scored that freak of a point from the sideline where the camera couldn't even catch a gun over the barrel went up that high. Yeah. He had that shot and goal from about 22 yards that I'm not sure anyone else in the country would have tried. Mm. But like, when you think of that game, they were forcing it. David Moran had those two bombs in extra yeah. time. Because that's probably it. Ganey missing is probably... So I'm actually... Jeez, I hope Paul Ganey's been at the weekend because I want to see this come to fruition. Sorry, the lawyer, this podcast is just useless, basically. <laughs> Anything else on Kerry going before no, we move just, on? Just to, to come back to the David Moran point and not to harbour on it, but like you either want... Like the temptation here now is to play Jack Barry and Jeremy O'Connor in the middle of the field. Yeah. And where does Moran go? To me, that's you shouldn't do that. You, you have to put more in there because you need to get the ball into the two boys. Okay, so you mm. need a feeder, but you need to put a, if you want to play a player like David Moore, you need to put a protector there with him now. You mm. can't just play and say, Right, David, you need to run up and down the field. You need He's to not going to do that. He's so, not going so to Moore could yeah. play 11 like Johnny Buckley would have done for years. Well, I, I don't think you need to do Nor it. Now I, do that. I, I, remember, I remember when, right, so I'll give you an example from my playing career. I play for inside forward 16 and 17. I'm out of the team. I've no chance of getting back into the team. I'm a five minute man at the end of the By absolute, uh, I don't know what happened. The gods were looking down at me, right? And just get in for the Kildare game. And basically all that happened, the most important player in my career at the end of my career was a guy called Jason Doherty, right? Mm. And he just literally did the running for me. So yeah. if, if Davy Burns starts running, lads, with the ball, there's absolutely no chance of me catching him. Right? No matter how... What, Wasting your time, man. Yeah. I don't think if I drew, drove a Fiesta after him, I'd catch him. <laughs> like, he's running up the... Field. Like you're right, though. Like, it's so, madness. So all that happens is I get to the 45, and Jason Doherty looks after him. And now all of a sudden, I'm in the fullback line, marking maybe a Jack McCaffrey who's trying to cover for Debbie Byrne. And now I've, a, I've a, like I'm marking a wing back. And that's what you want to do. You want to create. So you put in a protection for David Moore. You allow him to be a bit of a luxury because he's going to get you the ball up the field. But you mm. need to put in a, a plan. I remember again, sorry now for Harbour, but Philly Mac, McMahon, Mark, Gooch in the 15 final after Gooch comes Yeah, back. yeah. No, you can't come back from the cruise ship and be aerobically fit enough to mark Philly McMahon in his pump. You couldn't do it because yeah. the madman would just keep going forward. He he destroyed Aiden in the semi final, didn't he? In the in the replay, yeah, in the All Ireland replay that year, yeah. Similar yeah. story, just going forward, yeah. attacking. So you have Johnny Buckley standing in the centre forward, American Keno Sullivan, who's not going to move from six. No, why not just let Gooch mark Sullivan and let Buckley run after? Do you know? And it was just you could see Gooch's face. He was white in the face, just returning from a cruise ship under pressure. And Philly McMahon, I'd say, probably got man of the match today. So if you're going to play Morn, you want him to be your playmaker, you mm. want him to be in the middle of the field, you put protection around him and you see, can you get the two boys into the Gainies, the Dunnows, the Cliffords, mm. the Sean O'Shea's and see how it develops then from there. But, but that, Andy, is the key thing why I put Kerry in that bracket and you were asking Tommy, are they, are they contenders? Of course they're contenders. They're, they're a little bit further down the path than some of those other teams. Yeah. Peter Keane is there for the third year now. Those players, Clifford, Gainey, uh, Morn, they're experienced players. That may sound simple, that passing players on and I'm going to run to here, you take it from there. That actually takes a hell of a lot of work on the training pitch. It takes games where it goes right, where it goes wrong to, to learn that. That's the challenge for a team like Tyrone or Galway under Parik, that they're they're very much in its infancy. Those teams, their journey they're on, their, their game plan, their strategy is very much in its infancy. They're not going to get time on the training pitch this summer. The games are just bang, 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 bang. Kerry have that window. They've had three years of Peter Keane. They're smart players. They're experienced players. If they get that right, and that's what I'm saying, if they get that balance right, I would put them as the number one contenders to Dublin. I don't think that's a big shock, but but I think it's a, a ask. It's important for them to get that right. Um, and it'd be interesting to see, again, that approach. Who's going well for them on Saturday when they play Galway? Because that would be, be a brilliant game, Mike. We're, uh, we're, 
I kind of knew this was going to happen. We're well over an hour into this, lads. And uh, <laughs> we're going to have to go rapid fire through it. We're going to try and keep most of the podcast just under an hour, but it's going to be tough. It is going to be tough. Um, there's so much to chat about. Uh, so I'm going to go quick, couple of quick fire questions. Uh, first off, Kerry or Galway, lads? What do you call him? Kerry for me, home advantage. Kerry. Kerry, Kerry, Kerry. Okay. Paddy Andrews, can I throw this at you off the cuff? Peter Keane lit the touch paper this week. He was speaking in the examiner and he said it was unfair um, on the rest of the counties. Wrong and unfair that Cork down Dublin and Monaghan convened for illegal training sessions. And he essentially said that the Dublin players weren't punished enough. Desi's obviously got a 12-week ban. Will that yeah. impact the players? Will they pay any heed to, to any of that, to any of the coverage around that over the last couple of months? Absolutely none whatsoever. None at all. I think, that, again, that's the kind of experience with Dublin. Maybe 10 years ago, things like that, would you be worried, or not worried, but it would seep in. I think one of the key things that Dublin have done through Pat, through Jim, and now with Desi, we're not concerned. The players are not concerned about what Peter Kane says or what the media will say. I wouldn't say, I didn't really even know about that. I definitely don't think the players would know about it. They'll just be focused on playing Ross Common. So, no, I, would, I wouldn't say that would have any impact at all. Uh, on, on what do you make of uh, Peter Keane's comments Andy in terms of wrong and unfair would it have given much of an advantage to be training and convening over the last if I don't know how many times it did but you know obviously four counties were caught again we don't have the the true reflection on it and everyone has different personal opinions about outdoor training mm-hmm. obviously I'm in the, that kind of trade myself in terms yeah. of fitness so listen the, the trained they probably shouldn't have had a coach with them um, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I think that's the, the major thing. I think Desi's been punished. I think he probably showed good leadership coming out. I'd say he rang and said, give me the punishment as quick as you can, I'd say. And I, I think it's done. I don't, I don't think it makes, it makes that much of a difference, you know? Yeah. Well, Ronan McCarthy, the Cork bosses I trained, are talking about it as well. And he personally, I think, felt it was unfair that Cork were, were, were I suppose, caught and given the fact that they were on a beach and there was, there was no, um, there wasn't a football training. Yeah. I, I suppose, look, yeah. No, I just like I don't think it was right that 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 it happened. Obviously, the rules are the rules, and in hindsight, I'm sure if you asked the four counties, should they have been at it? Um, they shouldn't have. You know, the rules of the country's gone through a very, very challenging four or five months, um, and the guys were just caught out. Like I said, the punishments have been meted out. The guys, the coaches are suspended, um, and I, I don't think it should have happened. But look, it's happened. It's gone. In terms of impact going forward. I would say it would have absolutely zero impact on Dublin, Cork, uh, Down and Monaghan going forward, despite whatever comes out uh, in the media. Dublin have had a couple of retirements this year, clearly, Paddy. <laughs> You're one of them. Um, uh, Paul Mannion has stepped away. There's been a couple of yeah. others. Uh, Michael Dar. Michael Dar McCauley has stepped away. Um, what, in a word, it, is there anything new we can expect this weekend from Dublin? Um We'll come back to it. We'll go a bit more in depth next week. We'll do a bit of analysis and we'll look ahead to their second game. But is there anything new we can expect this weekend? Um, it's hard to know because like I say, they haven't played since the All-Ireland Final um, in December. I would put Dublin in a category along with Kerry in terms of the National League. I don't think Desi's going to be overly concerned whether they win the National League or not. I think Dublin are looking to find probably two or three players Give us one. Who should we look out for? I, th- I think Dublin are going to look for a midfielder. I think Michael Dara is gone obviously who might not have played as much but there's a spot there and they need someone exactly what we're saying with David Moore Brian Fenton a, a strong partner for Brian Fenton to let him 
be the best version of himself and attack and go forward. I think Dublin are going to be looking for someone there. They're looking for, I'd say, Paddy Small and Bugler, who, who both came through last year and had, had a relatively positive impact come the championship. Can they kick on again? And if I put them in the same bracket as Kerry, two or three players to find over the National League. And, I, and they're in a different position because they're further down the road. I think for Monaghan, Armagh, Galway, Tyrone, they're looking to get momentum. They want to win games. I don't think Dublin or Kerry are overly concerned with that. I think they're looking to okay. find two or three players for their squads. Okay, the okay. We'll look back on, on the first game against Roscommon next week. Any more? And when I say Keith Higgins, Chris Barrett, Jamie O'Shea, Donald Vaughan, Tom Parsons, David Clark to you, like, my God, how on earth are Mayo going to put a team out? Yeah, we we will be fine. There's a um, really fine under twenty team coming through, um, mm. and James has them, a lot of them integrated. You see, Noshi Mullen last year, and one or two more coming through. Tommy Conroy who was under twenties two years previous. So there's there's definitely players there. Um, I think the biggest impact, and I'd say Paddy would probably say the same. And I, I don't know the guys personally, but the likes of Michael Dara, even the likes of. You know, uh, the guys that are Ono oh no, Gara and them guys that day Darren Daly and them guys that retired and Paddy, you're getting to know your sense of humor yourself. But where these guys are going to get really missed is around the dressing room, I think. Yeah. You know? Like you've the likes of Tom Parsons there who came back into the squad after being dropped in 2014 and created a huge impact around the place. Do you know what you know, like fought his way back into the team, you know, did that through his club, his club form, got his way back, and then just became a huge person around the place. The likes of David Clark. I remember Clarkie said to me one day, Buffon went back into the Italian squad for one game. Remember that? And he looks across at me, it was both 36 at the time. He said, you think that daft he would retire? I looked at it and the two of us. But he had he, a similar sort of personality. He First, like, like I know it's an understatement, but I, I guarantee you, Paddy, Paddy has seen this with, with, uh, with Cluxton, is like, the presence of them two men that's around the yeah. like they like that's Clark, a big thing yeah. yeah Clark is first and last Chris Barrett right thick little fella now do you know what I'm saying like, <laughs> like Paddy you've marked him like he, I know I know him well yeah <laughs> tough, tough, tough boy you mark him you know and then you look at it and you go okay we're at training we're playing A versus B who is going to mark Killian who is going to mark Aiden who's going to give it that's to a big thing yeah. you know, and that's where the losses really manifest and if we all can get over that they have a really good chance. They've a young guy called David McBride from my own club, Jack Coyne from Ballyhonas, Oshin Mullen. They're three right good fullbacks now. Mm. Right, they could come through. You have a guy called Enda Hesham from Gary Moore, Jack Kearney. But again, it takes time to build yeah. and to get to where you need to get to. So hopefully that transition is quick. But again, we're, we're into a bit of a land of unknown. But James is really good with young players and he will give them the chance. But you know what, Andy? It might not be the worst thing for those guys in Division 2 then. No, absolutely but For not. younger players to come through there's probably a little bit more time on the ball that can speed up their progress and get that kind of confidence and get that experience in as opposed to it's a big ask for for brand new players to come in and make their debut in Division 1 and they're playing Dublin and Crow Park or they're playing Kerry down in Tralee. It might make it a little bit easier. I fully expect Mayo to to come up from Division 2. Um, and like I say, they've already blooded some of those new young players in last season. A lot came through um, last year. Like a lot of players, yeah, exactly, it was massive yeah. for them to get to an All Ireland final, and obviously, yep. it may have been too early, but it was massive for them to but, get that. But you gain huge experience from that. Time. That's the thing. That's I, the I, games, and they'll kick on again this year. And that then becomes the standard. If you get better in a semi final or kind final, what's your standard? Like where mm, are you? Playing? Yeah, exactly. If you get to an All Ireland final first year. All of a sudden, okay, lads, this is where we want to get back to. 
how do we do it? Where do we move? What do we mm. need to improve? And it gives you a huge, the same as what Paddy was saying about 2009, Paddy, was it? Yeah. So you, you then now know, okay, right, we need to improve this. Clearly, this is the level we need to get to. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, Dublin were a better side. But look how, like, do, you know, do you know a player that fascinates me, Paddy? It's um, Sc- uh, Scully. Uh, yeah. Like, first All-Star, outstanding player. Could last, Unbelievable player. Last, last year was his year, really. Last yeah, year. like he would, he'd been on the squad for, for yeah. probably four or five years. Yeah. Like, he goes so under the radar. Oh, he was, yeah. and he's a player you hate to look at. He's like, what? What? <laughs> no, no, as in like in the sense that if you were playing against him, you'd, I think you'd hate playing against him. Yeah. He's always there. He's always in the middle of it. But he, he, but went, up, he, he went up a level last year, Paddy. He went mm. up a level. But, but that's and that's because he was coming in trying to play wing forward in a team with. Paul Flynn and Dermot Connolly to wing forwards. Two of Dublin's greatest ever wing forwards. Yeah. So it's quite difficult to break into that team. It takes time to get through. You finally get in. It takes time to find your own game and your own rhythm. Scully has a very unique style of play. Like he never, ever, ever, ever gives the ball away. Oh, it's unbelievable. He, he, runs, really? 12, he runs 12K a match. Solo's right foot, left foot. Left foot yeah. he, he's an amazingly talented player. But in terms of getting up that confidence to... Like he, he's nearly along with Kieran Kilkenny. He takes the ball off the half-back. He's like, give me the... I'm taking that ball. A young player is not going to do that. It, you know, it takes time to develop that experience. Whereas now, if Mick Fitz is coming out with the ball or or whoever, Philly McMahon is coming out with the ball, Scully is going, give me the... I'm taking that ball. And I'm going to control the tempo here. And, so they the the link. Com- and they have the confidence to give it to him, Paddy. Because... And like, he, no 19-year-old is coming on to the, to the Dublin panel and on the first year developing that sort of style of play and leash. it takes time to do that and that's where we're saying with, with some of those male guys last year they've got a taste of it. Mm. they've done the apprenticeship now it's like okay as Andy's saying that's the standard how do we up it a notch yeah. and, that's, and like I said it takes time we, we started off this pod we're talking about a bolt from the blue it, it's unlikely but Scully is like a poster boy example of that he's probably been in the squad maybe five six mm. years and he wins an all-star last year for the first time you know, takes time. Okay. Um, I'd like to go get more into the, the likes of, of Niall Scully and, and what he can bring this year. And you, you touched on Bugler and maybe even mm. Brian Howard. What are they going to do this year in, in 2021? Mm. It'll be interesting to see how how far they can step up. Um, will we just rattle through the, the predictions and we'll just keep note of them, keep track of them and see how we get yeah, on? Yeah, go on. Um, really quickly, Mayo down. Mayo. Mayo. Andy, Hoping for a positive start. Hoping for a positive start. Mayo. I'm going to call down just to go against you. Uh, Cork and Kildare in Division 2. Where is that on? It's in Sample Stadium. I'm going to go Kildare. I'm hoping for something out of Kildare with Jack O'Connor. Um, I'm going to go Kildare with that one. Although Cork are, Cork are looking to push on as well, but I'll go with Jack for that one. Yeah, I was going to go Kildare, but I have to go something different than so I'll go <laughs> I go I go Keen O'Neill on this one, Cork. Yeah, I don't I don't know where to go with this one. Uh Cork obviously had two bad injuries a couple of weeks ago. Um I think yeah. Kieran Sheehan and Hurley have something in them. I think there's something I'm in them. Go yeah, they do. I'm gonna go All with Cork. Right. I think they're gonna back it up from last year. Uh Monaghan Armagh. This will be a dog Jeez. of a game. Where's that on? In Brewster Park in Fermanagh. Oh, beautiful. Um, I'm going to go with Armagh. We had Geezer on the show this morning. Don, he's in there. He's making. A, he's going to make an impact, I think. I'm going to go with Armagh. I've got to go with Manning for that. Okay. Yeah, I'm going I'm to go. Where is it? It is in Brewster Park in Fermanagh, isn't it? Fermanagh. Yeah, Brewster Park. Yeah, okay. I'm going to go Manning for Donny Buckley. I think he'll have a bigger impact than 
Okay. Yeah, Buckley. There, there's a couple of coaches. We, we touched on Doer and Logan, uh, Logan this week. We want to get into a bit of Donny Buckley next week and other coaches mm-hmm. around the around the county. Mead and Westmead. Sure. What, what do we have to say here? That's in, uh, that's in Park Talton. <laughs> Mead for me. Mead, definitely for that one. Yeah, I'd say. I'm going to pick Mead. And then Claire and Leash. We'll, we're not going to get into Division 3 and 4 predictions this week because we're an hour and a half into this podcast. So Claire and Leash in Cusick Park on Sunday. I think Leash. I think Leash are going to win that. I like Colin Collins. Go, go to go with yeah. Claire. Go to go with I'm, Claire. I'm, I'm going to say Claire as well. Yeah. Uh, right, lads. That, that, was, that was very enjoyable. I, I've kept you long enough. First podcast down. What could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> so like, is, there, is there any other business? Uh, I suppose we were talking earlier on about, about training and being back playing football this year. Paddy, you're not playing any club football this year, are you? Uh, I don't know as of yet. Um I'll see. Body's kind of hanging together at the minute, but ah, look, I think I'll miss it. I haven't missed it the first couple of months since I retired. Are you waiting to feel uh, that that kind of want to go back? Yeah, and I'm definitely waiting for that because I don't have it now. <laughs> um, but um, no, I don't kind of 12 or 13 years with Dublin. Um, I'll see. It depends if the body's all right. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll see later on in the summer. Yeah. By the way, your club, uh, mate, your club mate, Philly Ryan, is obviously lining out for Tipperary this year. So he's a yeah, 15 All-Ireland winner with Dublin. We didn't get time for that and we will come back to it, but we'll keep an eye on Philly and how he'll get on this year. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see where he goes. Eh? Andy, any, uh, any, is there any dubs out there with Mayo Heritage that you could bring in, you could draft in? I oh, don't know. The, the, the Baskells and the Brogans. Oh, yeah. Baskels, yeah. The Baskells Colin and Ryan. the Brogans. The Brogans, the Brogans would have been nice though. Yeah. Yeah. If you got them, you'd have been doing all right. The Baskells are from Westport. So we, we, we've, yeah. we, we've, 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 should we made County Mead? Never mind Dublin. <laughs> we never even mentioned Roscommon in Dublin. What are you back in there? Roscommon have been the forgotten team in this podcast. Yeah, I don't well, know whether that's because Andy Moran just doesn't like them. <laughs> <laughs> we won't go there now. We won't. Uh, I think, I think the I, first part, hey, anyway. Paddy, I had that one in the contract, not to mention that. One. No, it's, no, they, they, his I, agent, his agent had yeah. it sorted. So, so we will. Um, I think we'll come back to Roscommon I think later if we're going to talk about yeah. coaches, we're going to have to mention yeah. poacher, we're going to have to mention Poacher in with uh, Roscommon I think yeah definitely huge coup for Roscommon I think Dublin this week obviously but uh, I think Roscommon are dangerous with Poacher with Poacher mm. with them do you know okay. that Connacht, that's what, the Connacht Championship is very because any one of those three teams could win it yeah okay Dublin 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 um, if anyone out there thinks they have somebody who deserves a shite trainer of the week top that they'd like <laughs> to wear around a training let us know. You can get in touch with any of us on Twitter. Uh, we'll give you the email next week for the show and you can let us know because uh, we're getting them done up. They're going to be good. We're doing it because the two lads told me they were shy trainers when they were playing football. <laughs> but <laughs> well, actually, yeah, technically, we might have to change that. We might have to change that to be slow trainers. Like, Paddy, yeah, just I, slow trainers. Andy Moran's yeah. running really, the gym. Really, really, How really, can he be really a shy trainer? trainer? He's running the gym. Jesus, so. Andy, yeah. Jeez. I didn't say I train many in the gym. <laughs> I run the gym. Brilliant yeah. stuff. Okay, that's, uh, that's episode one of the football pod. Please do subscribe. You will get us every Wednesday. Uh, we're going to bring you some quality insights and analysis across the summer here. Andy Moran, Paddy Andrews, thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Sound, lads. Same time next week. Bye-bye.